Hello, my name is Dusty Otis. Welcome to the Redefined Church Podcast. I'm so glad that you're taking part of your day to join us. My prayer for you is that this message would be meaningful to you, that it would challenge you, and that it would help you move forward in your faith. To be a part of all that we get to do here at Redefined Church, visit us online at churchredefined.com forward slash give. I hope you enjoy today's message. Welcome back to Dismayed and Afraid. We're in week four, talking about the fear of not being liked. Really, when we talk about this, we're talking about staying true to who we are, who we are as individuals, who we are as sons and daughters of Christ, who we are as believers among the world, right? And so Isaiah 41.10 is our uh, cornerstone scripture. Do not fear anything, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. This is God talking to us. He's telling us, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Be assured, I will help you. I will certainly take hold of you with my righteous right hand. And we know the Amplified tells us that's a hand of justice, of power, of victory, of salvation. And so then... When it comes to being afraid, we have nothing to be afraid of because God says, do not do that. Matter of fact, he tells us over 365 times, do not fear in the Bible. Fear is an unpleasant emotion, right? It's a feeling of anxiety caused by a belief that someone or something dangerous is likely to cause pain or a threat to you or something that you're connected to. We talk about dismay. This is consternation and distress typically caused by something unexpected, which causes us to lose courage or resolution because of the fear that's being caused. And so then when it comes to you being liked, who are you fearful of or who are you afraid of not being liked by? Because the reality is, is there's a lot of pressure on you today to be liked. We all want to feel that um, acceptance and that we belong. And so then there's a lot of pressure to be liked, which leads to most of us working for approval instead of Um, working out of who we are, our gifting or walking in grace, right? And the sad truth is that most people would much rather do something than be somebody. Oh, what do you need me to do to be part of this group? What do you need me to do to gain, to, to take the next step, to move forward, to be part of that? What do you need me to do? And most people would, would rather choose works than to walk in the grace that God's given them. It's easier to do something than to be somebody today. And everybody's looking around at, what do I need to do next? What do I need to do next? Right? And when you walk in grace, you walk on a rock. There's stability when you walk in grace. When you walk in works, there's no stability because you're constantly looking to others to let, for them to let you know, is that, is that good enough? Is that what you want? Is that, is that where we are? Do you approve of that? Is that good enough? And when you walk in grace, you walk on the rock. It's Matthew 7, 24 through 27. It says, so everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man, a far-sighted, practical, and sensible man. It's good to be a man of good sense. Who builds his house on the rock. When the rain fell and the floods came and the torrents came and all that stuff happened and the winds blew and slammed against the house, it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a foolish man. This is a stupid man. Who built his house on the sand. This is the Amplified, by the way. And the rain fell, and the floods and torrents came, and the winds blew and slammed against the house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Because why? Because it wasn't built on a solid foundation. It was built on ever-moving, ever-changing, always-shifting principles, right? Agendas. It's, it's always constantly changing. And do you ever wonder, when it comes to being afraid of what others think about you or being afraid of not being liked. Do you ever wonder why you seek to be liked by them? Why do you want their approval? Or why you feel the need to please or to be a part of that thing, that group, that 
organization, that whatever, right? And you might be unaware of it, aware of it, and that bothers you, but you very well could be aware and just know, well, that's just what I have to do because that's the season I'm in because this is where I want to go. And to get where I want to go and to, and to do what I want to do, I have to, I have to do these things and I have to be this person. Even though it's counter-cultural to me, even though it's, it's counterintuitive, even though it's, it goes against everything that I believe as a human being, I must do this to be that or to do that. And this is where most of our identity starts uh, shifting from um, who we are to what we do. It, it's our due identity, right? And our due identity really leads to pleasing others. And because it starts early in our lives, because we're constantly trying to gain that acceptance, we typically never have the foundation we need to carry. We typically never start on the rock. We don't start with that biblical foundation, which leads to us never having the courage to let it go. Well... You know, I could, I could do that, but I can't do this. And we're constantly shifting. And a lot of us like to say, well, we, we like to ride the fence or, or in the middle. You know, we, call that, we would call that gray. You know, or you would say, well, I can do both. And you can't do both because if, if the right shifts too far to the right, so do you. And if the left shifts too far to the left, then so do you. So you're never really in the middle, right? And if you never build your life on, on a rock, if there's never stability there, then you're not going to have the courage to actually walk in it when it comes time. And so the root cause of most approval-seeking behavior is having no self-worth. It often gets confused with self-esteem. And we've talked about that in the past, but this typically comes from several factors. Some of this relates to your natural personality. Some of it uh, gets confused with um, external influences and what others think. Some of it is wrapped up in our upbringing, who we are. Some of it is our cultural experience. Some of it's really just our education and our work life. Where are we and who are we around when it comes time to moving forward or gaining acceptance? And as all of these things, your upbringing and your past and your work environment and, and culture, as all of these things kind of build up on one another over time, the need to seek approval of others for pretty much anything we do gradually intensifies. It doesn't, it doesn't decrease, it increases because you find yourself going, Oh, and, and now I'm having a hard time managing all this. And this is where anxiety comes in. This is where stress, my stress goes through the roof because it's like, oh my gosh, if, if I'm going to do this, th those people do that and, and, and their kids play this and their kids play that and their kids play that. Well, we need to play all of it too, right? And that gets crazy. And if you lack self-belief, if you lack belief in who you are as a follower, as a disciple, and if you're generally self-critical, which, which I've, I'm, I used to be super self-critical, it only seems natural to seek validation from others. I'm not sure of, of who I am or what I believe, and I'm pretty critical of everything that's around me. And so I just need to feel something that gives me a sense of, yeah, that's good or that's right. And so then we, we tend to seek validation from others. Here are a couple of behaviors that people commonly use to be liked, to gain acceptance, approval, right? And what you know is our fear of being disliked is disconnected. And because our fear of being disliked and disconnected um, really kind of fuels these behaviors, this is, this is what, we, what we tend to do or what tends to happen. Number one, people pleasing. We take disagreement personally because our attempt to gain approval failed. So then we change our stance to stay included. I was here, uh, but, but you don't like that? You like this? Okay, I'll do this from now on as long as, as, long as we're still good, right? That's people pleasing at its finest. Number two, changing your point of view because of disapproval. Oh, 
You don't like that? Okay. And so here's what happens. You've voiced your opinion and someone responds with an opposing view, right? This isn't Facebook, by the way. This is like, this is face-to-face stuff. And instead of defending your position, you soften your argument to fit theirs. And when you're seeking approval, your opinion changes depending on who you're talking to or who you're with because you lack the confidence in your convictions and you don't want conflict. And so then it's just easier to change your point of view as opposed to have some conflict. Number three, being afraid to say no. You've heard of the term yes man, he's a yes man. And I know these people, you probably know them too. And what happens is being a yes man makes you overcommit and leads you to resent everything that you've committed to because you're afraid to say no. You're afraid to say no, and that's what it stems to or for a need to please. Number four, not standing up for your own beliefs. You just, you just won't stand up for your own beliefs. This leads to you being treated like a human doormat. Uh, just talk to him. He'll, he's, he's got it. She, she'll do it, right? And as you are, it's easier for you to say yes or to not stand up for your beliefs um, than to stand up for yourself. It's easier just to say no. And this only reinforces your lack of belief and it will cause others to think less of you. And at one, at some point you'll think less of you too, which will only lead you to lean more into other people's opinions or beliefs or, or, you know, validation. Number five, acceptance through gossip. You start just a little bitty story, right? You tell a little bitty fib and that fib shifts the attention from somebody else to you. Okay. It makes you look better. And starting gossip gives you the power to impress and to be the center of attention, but it never lasts because there's always a new, hot, fresh, sexy story that that gains more attention than the attention that you just gained from that, right? And and it might get or shift the attention to you for a moment, but it quickly leaves, and then then that leads to more gossip, which which is lack of integrity, right? Number six, being fake. Being fake. I think we all know people like this. Listening and being a part of something that you do not agree with, but appearing to agree. No more have I seen that than in the last two years of my life. What happens is you support something you do not agree with, but you're not being true to yourself. And you're not being true to yourself only because you're after somebody else's approval. I need, I need somebody else's approval. And so then you're willing to be fake, which is hypocrisy, which God detests and he cannot stand. And so then, listen to your heart, to your conscience, to your integrity. Operate that way, right? Do not be fake. Number seven, pretending to know or understand. There's two more. Pretending to know or understand. This happens when someone assumes that you know something, right? You find yourself in a conversation. Somebody goes, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, and you go, oh, yeah, yeah, I knew that. Yeah. And if you're after approval of other people, your natural reaction is to pretend that you already know, right? And when you do that, the problem is nine times out of 10, the pretense is exposed. And rather than gaining approval, you typically get ridiculed instead of being included. Number eight, feeling the need to apologize. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry is your go-to. No matter what has happened or if you had a part in anything that has happened, the people pleaser will always be the first to apologize, right? The reality is if there's no error and you did nothing wrong, there's nothing to apologize for. Number nine, the last one, behaving differently than you believe. Remember, integrity is when your behavior matches your beliefs. Behaving differently than you believe typically happens in high school, right? 
you join the group or become part of that crowd, even if you disagree in your heart. And, and, and those decisions as a teenager in high school are very forgivable because you're a teenager in high school, but not so much as adults. And if you're only after the approval of others, it's going to be very easy for you to find yourself in situations that you don't belong in, which create conflict with your core values and your beliefs. And it's rooted way down deep inside, and you know that it's wrong, you know that you shouldn't be doing it, but you do it anyways. Because I just need, I need, I need approval from that person. I want them to think that I think the same way that I believe, that I am, that I'm on board with what they believe in, right? So let's go back to Matthew chapter 7. When you act on what God has said about you, you're connected. You're not, you're connected to Him. You're not concerned about what those who take no action are thinking. Those who choose to believe a certain way, you're not concerned with the beliefs and the opinions and the values of others. Because there's a solid foundation underneath you, it's what Matthew chapter 7 says, it's a rock. And it's, a, and it's, it's not just a rock, you build your life on it. And it's what God has put in your heart. It's what God's put in your heart. And because you trust Him to work on your behalf, you know that it's not somebody else doing for you. It's God moving in front of you. And because you trust Him to work on your behalf and not somebody else, you're standing on His word and not theirs. You're standing on His word, not theirs. And so the big question is, how can somebody like you or how can somebody approve of you if they do not know you? How can, how can they give you that validation? More importantly, how do you know you? What you believe, what you value, what your goals are, where you're going, how you're getting there, what makes you happy? You could write all of these things down today. What do you believe? What do you value? What are your goals? How are you getting there? Where are you going? What makes you happy? And in all of those things, does any human being's opinion really matter in any of your answers. I ask because you can't make good decisions concerning your future if you aren't rooted in your belief. If you're not rooted in your belief. And if you don't know where you're going and you don't know what your value, it's gonna be hard because at that moment you're just going to work to get through today. Survive in advance, just survive in advance. And the, the, the notion of just, it's Monday, it's Tuesday, you know, three more days, three more sleeps to the weekend, right? And that has never moved anybody forward. And you don't stay the same, right? You're either, you're going to get better today or you're going to be worse today. It's not, it has nothing to do with anybody else but you. And the choice that you have in concerning your future is essentially going, okay, what, what is my future rooted in, right? Which we're going to talk about next week. What's my future rooted in? Where am I going? What do I believe? If I, if I shelf everything else outside of me, what do I believe? Who am I? And you must be proactive in that. You can't wait to hear from everybody else and react. Well, I like what he said and I like what she said. And I got this message today on my messenger. And this was in my uh, Instagram feed. And this was on TikTok. And, and you can't just pick and choose all of these things. That doesn't make you who you are, right? Because you're listening with your eyes and you're thinking with your emotions. And so then you've got to be proactive, you've got to be yourself, and you've got to believe in your belief. You have to believe in your belief, and you have to go back to it. You have to go back to it, and you should go back to it regularly, right? You should be renewed every day, because walking in grace brings peace and happiness. 
Walking in grace brings peace and happiness. There's stability there. Doing work for approval brings stress and frustration. And when you don't compromise your beliefs or blindly follow the crowd, you're operating with integrity. You're operating with integrity, meaning your behavior matches your beliefs, not your social media feed. How many of you guys need to clean up your social media feeds? Amen. <laughs> Proverbs 10.9 says, whoever walks in integrity walks securely. What's that mean? Free from fear, anxiety, or doubt. To walk assured is what it's saying. To walk certain. Certain. That's being in your belief where your behavior matches your beliefs. Walking certain, assured, secure in, in what? In who you are. In grace. It's your self-worth. Now there's a big difference in self-esteem and self-worth. Self-esteem is giving somebody else the authority to tell you how much you're worth, to tell you how much they value you, right? Self-worth is believing what God says about you. It's who he says that you are. And if you should be aware of these, and, and if you're not, email me, and I'll get you everything that God says. There's over 100 things in the Bible. I think it's 118 that I've, only that I found. But for example, God says that you're a child, okay, that he made you. You're chosen, you're bold, you're confident, you're connected, you're approved, you're triumphant. God says that you're enough. Those are just a few of the things that God says you are. Your worth is found in the Bible. Your esteem is not. Your esteem is not. Your worth is given to you from the creator of the world. Esteem is a word that somebody made up to explain how you should feel unworthy of others. God has eternally clarified your value in here. Okay? You're worth the pain of the cross. You are worth the pain of the cross. You're worth dying for. Jesus proved that he would rather die than to live without you. Think about that for a second. Jesus proved he would rather die on a cross than to live without you. That means you matter. That means you have value. That means you have worth. Worth. Once you internalize that truth, that God sent his son to die for you, you should not struggle with esteem because esteem is empty and of human beings. It has no value. God saved you from esteem. He gave you worth. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 20 says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver. It was precious blood, the precious blood of Jesus Christ, sinless, spotless as he was. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began, but now in these days he has revealed for your sake. With this scripture, we find our value is in Jesus. Understanding that money, popularity, fame, human approval, likes on our social media feed, etc. are just temporary. And they might provide a little bitty spark in, your, in a moment, but they provide no value to your personal life. We don't do for approval. We walk in grace. That grace we walk in is the same grace that we're saved with. So then overcoming the fear of not being like really stems back to our personal integrity. It's that part inside our heart, right? Where our beliefs match our behaviors. We talked about several behaviors earlier, but I want to ask you today, what's your integrity worth? When it comes down to it and you're making those decisions to be like, to be accepted, to move forward, to advance, right? To gain credibility, to climb the ladder, whatever you would call it. What are you willing to do? Where do you draw the line? You need to identify this, okay? 
In other words, where do you break? Where do you go from being upright, a man or, or a woman of integrity to, at this point, I have to make this decision because it's best for me. Meaning, you lie to advance. You lie to get a job, you lie to whatever. You falsify an expense report. You cheat on an exam, right? You cheat in competition. You buy things in advance and hold on to them for a certain period of time. And then you break out and somebody goes, oh, hey, is that new? And you say, no, I've had this for months. I don't have a spending problem, right? Do you exaggerate a story so that you look better? Do you overcharge customers? Okay. Do you have sticky fingers when it comes to, oh, well, I know this should be two for one. This one's damaged, you know. Where, where, where do you draw the line? And if you would say, ah, everybody does that, there's a gap. You have a gap in your life between your character and your integrity. And I want to know that I ask you that because I think that we've all been in these places before. And everybody has a bad day. Everybody makes mistakes. We all fall short. We've all made at least one mistake, right? <laughs> and on a bad day, you might make some poor choices. But nobody, if you think about bad days and you think about the life of Job, nobody has had the life or the day that Job had. And it's real easy to have a bad day. And if you're having a bad day, sacrifice your character, sacrifice your integrity, sacrifice who you are so that you can be accepted, liked, loved, whatever. It's all fake, okay? Sacrifice those things, your heart, who you are, to be accepted. Job had a day like no other. It's a heartbreaking story. If you don't know the story of Job, you can go to Job 27 and read it. It's really Job 26. But in one day, Job lost everything. Everything meaning his family, his possessions, everything that he had. It was the worst day that's ever been recorded in human history outside of the day that Jesus got beaten down on a cross, okay? And in this moment, Job has some friends, and they tell him, hey, man, it's over. You just need to curse God and die, okay? That's how bad it is. You just need to curse God and die. And here's what Job said to his friends. This is in Job 27, 5 and 6. He says, I will never admit that you are right. Until the day that I die, I will not deny my integrity. I will maintain my innocence and never let go of it. My conscience will not reproach me as long as I live. Job said, my integrity is worth everything. Who I am is worth everything. And so is yours. It's who you are. It's who you are. And so today as we move toward the close of the message, I want to identify or share five benefits of walking in your worth. And how closely your worth is tied to your integrity, who you are. And by following these five benefits, by living, walking in this grace and these five benefits, you'll be less likely to be bothered by others' opinions. And you'll be less likely to be afraid of what somebody else thinks about you. Okay? And I just want to clear this up. Everybody goes, I don't care what they think about me. That's great that you say that, but your actions, your behavior should match that belief or those words. Because we can all say, who cares? All those things. But the reality is, you do. Okay? And to get over that, to walk in, in who God has called you, to walk in your worth, these five things need to be present in your life. One, walk closely with God. 
Walk closely with God. When you walk in your worth, you walk closely with God. When you walk in integrity, you walk closely with God. Have you ever noticed that when you lack integrity or you've stopped reading your Bible, your prayer life has, has tapered off, you have sin in your life, you've started doing something you're not supposed to that you know is, is a check, you know that it's wrong, but, but life is just hard and I had a bad day and you quit going to church, your fellowship is broken in those moments. Your fellowship is broken, you're not walking closely. You know, here at our house, we have an Otis family mission, vision, we, we do all that, and, and, and years ago, Heather and I set, I set that, and um, as we uh, wrote that out, we, we set the values that, that we believe our way, the Otis way, we decided we're going to start teaching our kids these things, and these are rooted in the Bible, these are not some idea or some famous quote, it's rooted in truth. We want our kids to walk in truth, and as we did that, and as we continue to do that, if our kids were to say, you know what? I don't believe that anymore. I don't think I'm going to be that. Um, I'm, we're not doing that, okay? I'm not going to love others as, as I love myself anymore. I'm just going to focus on me. If they did that, that would break our fellowship, right? And we wouldn't be walking as closely then as we do now because they're out of alignment. They're out of alignment. We're, out of, we're out of fellowship, right? And when our fellowship is broken... It's hard for your beliefs and your behavior to match because you're walking outside of not necessarily the will of God, but relationship, close proximity, right? And when you don't walk as close with God, it's not that he leaves you. We choose to walk apart from him. When you walk in integrity, you walk closely with God. Number two, you need to understand and know that you have a guide. This is a benefit to you. You have a guide. You have a built-in guide that lets you know where you can walk. It's not a gray area anymore. It's not gray. It's yes or no, black or white. There is no middle of the road like we discussed before. Proverbs 11.3 says, the integrity and moral courage of the upright will guide them, but the crookedness of those who do not walk with God will destroy them. With integrity, with integrity, you know how to respond in life. Because your integrity means everything and it guides you in how you live. That's when you go back to your beliefs as opposed to somebody else's opinion. Psalm 78, 72, David shepherded them with integrity of heart. With skillful hands, he led them. The integrity of your heart will guide you. You have a guide. It's integrity. The integrity of your heart will guide you. It's what David says. The integrity of your heart will guide you, not the opinion of men. Number three, you have peace. Isn't it amazing that when you live in integrity, you walk in relationship when you let integrity guide you, that you live in who God says you are, and you have constant peace. Keeping your integrity allows you to keep that peace. I've never in my life, by the way, had anybody come up to me and say, man, I'm just struggling to sleep, and I cannot sleep at night. And I say, well, why is that? And, you, and, and they say, well, I just can't stop thinking about all the things that I'm doing right. I'm doing so much right, and it's keeping me up at night. That's never been the case in my whole life. It's always the opposite. Man, I can't sleep at night because of blank. And I think everybody listening, watching, can fill in the blank and say, yeah, it's this, it's that, whatever. And so that integrity brings you peace. When you lay your head down at night, you shouldn't have to worry. You should have peace because you're operating in integrity. 
You're operating integrity. God's doing work. When you operate integrity, in integrity, God is doing a work in your heart and you're walking it out. There's grace in that. In Psalms 37, 37, observe the blameless man who is spiritually complete and behold the upright who walk in moral integrity. There's a good future for the man of peace because a life of honor blesses his descendants. You have peace. Whether you receive it or not, right? It's up to you, but you have it. It's in there. How much do you allow the peace in your life to work? And how much do you press it down to worry about what other people think? Number four, you're protected. You're protected and you're protected from sin. When you walk closely with God and you operate in integrity, you are protected from sin. If you remember the story of Abraham and Sarah, they're going off to a foreign land and they both lie about being married. And they lied to protect themselves because they had to see King Abimelech. And this is in Genesis 20, verses 1 through 6. And I want to go down to uh, verse 4. Verse 4. But Abimelech had not come near her. This is after they had lied. And Abimelech actually takes Sarah. He's like, oh, this is only your sister. She's coming with me. Okay. And the king takes her because Sarah was beautiful. And, and so he takes Sarah and... Um, let me go to verse 3, sorry. But God came to Abimelech in a dream by night after he had taken Sarah and said to him, Indeed, you are a dead man because of the woman for you have taken. She is a man's wife. But Abimelech had not come near her. And he said, Lord, will you slay a righteous nation also? Did he not say to me, she is my sister? Even she, even herself, even she herself said, he is my brother. In the integrity of my heart and innocence of my hands, I have done this. In verse 6, God says to him, in a, he says to him in a dream, Yes, I know. I know that you did this in the integrity of your heart, for I also withheld you from sinning against me. Therefore, I did not, I did not let you touch her. It wasn't you, it was me. I kept you from that. And you may make mistakes, okay? As believers, we're imperfect. As human beings, we're imperfect. As believers, we're called upright, seen holy and righteous, we continually seek God's will in our life, right? And you're going to make mistakes, but when you make mistakes with the integrity of heart, God will protect you. And the issue that we face today is we're making decisions without integrity, and nobody's protecting us from those who are looking. Nobody. It's up to us to have that integrity. When you live in integrity, you're protected. You're protected. Number five, the, five, the fifth benefit of walking closely with God, having integrity, you're going to gain trust, respect, honor, and influence. That's a lot. You sure I can gain all that? Yeah, integrity does that for you. If you want to be a man, a woman, who is trusted, respected, honored, who has influence in your community, in your circle, in your house, you want to be a parent who's known for this, live with integrity. You want to be a husband, a leader, a boss, an administrator, an employee, a teammate, a citizen, a pastor, a friend. You want the trust of people. You want their respect. You want to be honored. You want influence. Influence is not power. Influence is relational, and it comes from operating, from setting an example, from letting people see it. If you want trust, honor, respect, and influence, operate Live your life with integrity. Here's what happens when you do. The Bible says when you live in integrity, instead of in fear of what others think, or in fear of not being liked, 
It's 1 Peter 3.16. You will have a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. That's what happens when you live with integrity. I love the Amplified Version. It says, See to it that your conscience is entirely clear so that every time you are slandered or falsely accused, those who attack or disparage your good behavior in Christ will be shamed by their own words. Their own words are going to come back to bite them in the butt. That's what it says. So then what does it look like to walk in your worth, to choose integrity versus walking in want versus wanting the approval of others? What's the difference between your self-worth and your self-esteem? You find this in Luke chapter 6 when Jesus chooses his disciples, uh, 12 and 13, specifically 13. Verse 12, Jesus is off and he's praying. He's out of the mountain. He spent the whole night in prayer to God. In verse 13, he came down. He called his disciples and selected 12 of them, who he also named apostles, special messengers, personally chosen representatives. You can remember that. Verse 13, you can, you can underline if you're in the uh, Amplified. And looking toward his disciples, he began speaking, blessed, spiritually prospered, happy to be admired. Are you who are poor in spirit, those devoid of spiritual arrogance, those who regard themselves as significant, for the kingdom of God is yours both now and forever. Man, to walk with some integrity. Blessed, joyful, nourished by God's goodness, are you who hunger now for righteousness, actively seeking right standing with God, for you will be completely satisfied, blessed, forgiven, refreshed by God's grace. You who weep now over your sins and repent, for you will laugh when the burden of sin is lifted. Blessed, again, morally courageous and spiritually alive with, joy, with life joy in God's goodness. Are you, when people hate you and exclude you from their fellowship and insult you and scorn your name as evil because of your relationship with the Son of Man, Jesus. Rejoice on that day and leap for joy, for your reward in heaven is great, absolutely inexhaustible. Love that. For their fathers used to treat the prophets in the same way. What Jesus is saying in verse 20 through 23 is nothing beats your integrity. Walk in your worth, operate with integrity, and you will not be judged. Now, when you flip to the last half of this, verse 24 through 26, it gets a little bit different. It says, whoa, whoa, hold up. It says, judgment is coming to you who are rich and place your faith in possessions while remaining spiritually impoverished, spiritually poor, disconnected. Lack of integrity, right? For you are already receiving your comfort in full, and there's nothing left to be rewarded to you. What does he say? Your life's as good as it's ever going to get. You better, you better enjoy it, okay? Verse 25, Woe to you who are well-fed, which means gorged, stuffed now, for you will be hungry. Woe to you who laugh now, enjoying a life of self-indulgence, for you will mourn and weep and deeply long for God. Verse 26, Woe to you when all the people speak, well of you and praise you, for their fathers used to treat the false prophets in the same way. What are they saying? Hold up. Hold up. When you find your values and your worth and what others are saying and what others approve of, these people have always existed. And you're looking for them and they're there. And they've always been there and they're always going to be there. Right. And when you find your worth and your value and your, you know, popularity or approval in those people, it amounts to zero. It amounts to zero. But for some reason, we still let this affect our life. And it's because we look to man first as opposed to God. 
doing works instead of grace, right? Esteem versus our worth, who God says we are. So then to close, if we're really going to walk in our worth, which is how we overcome the fear of others' opinions, walking in your worth is also walking in integrity because it's what God put in your heart. Number one, number one, I said it earlier in Scripture. We're going a little bit deeper. Repent. Repent. If you have an issue or you have issues with issues, if you struggle to walk in your worth, if you lack integrity or have lacked integrity, if you constantly struggle to make the right decisions, if you struggle to treat people the right way, the right way, like human beings, honor, honesty, hospitality, brings unity, right? If you constantly wear the judgment suit, you love banging the judgment gavel and you just like being, repent, repent. That's all God's looking for. Repent. What do I mean? Genuinely apologize to God and to people. Apologize to God for the actions that you've taken, the decisions you've made, the way you've behaved, because it did not match your belief. And if it did, it's time to believe. We'll get to that in a second. Apologize to the people that you've wronged. Make it right. What's that mean? If you've lied, cheated, you've been unfaithful, have some integrity. Make it right. Make it right. Because you and the person you've wronged are worth more. They're worth more. Number two, have a relationship with Jesus. We call this being a disciple. Be a disciple. Get to know Jesus. You cannot live in integrity or walk with God or walk in your God-given worth until you begin a relationship with Jesus. You need to do this today. You want to do this today so God can begin to make you a person of integrity and you can begin to walk in your worth. If you don't know what this means, email or text me. I would love to have a conversation with you. If you do know Jesus, but you're struggling to walk in your worth, you're struggling to move forward with integrity. You know because you once did and you've just stumbled, forgotten, or fell away, that the closer you get to Jesus, the more that you become like him, right? He's a man of integrity, so I'm going to challenge you to lean into him daily. Renew your mind daily. Get to know Jesus. You should start in the Gospels. That's the New Testament. Start in the New Testament. Start in Matthew and see what happens. Number three, the last thing, be accountable. Be accountable. It's hard to find people who want to be accountable anymore today. It's real easy. You can't live life on your own. Isolation makes it near impossible, right? Be accountable. You need to have people around you who have integrity, who are going to hold you to a right standard of living. Be accountable. Where, where do I find those people? Who are those people? Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 tells you who they are. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Don't only surround yourself with yes men. Oh, yeah, it's good, 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 it's good. That's boring. Okay, and that doesn't make any better. Okay? Better is open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Hidden love and multiplied kisses, it's not what you need in your life. You need a real friend. Wounds from a friend can be trusted. Anybody can pat you on the back. A true friend will slap you in the face. I'll say, hey, that's messed up. You should fix that. Okay? That's not who you are. 
that's not who I know you to be, right? Anybody can pay you on the back. Few people can slap you in the face. Only those who walk closely with you, only those who know you can and are willing to correct you. Receiving correction is huge. It's Proverbs 12.1. Whoever hates correction is stupid. That's just simple, okay? Whoever hates correction, it's hard to move forward not liking correction. You must receive correction. It's hard to find or want to be held accountable. You're not going to find accountability in media, on Facebook, in the news. You're not going to find accountability in a vaccination, in a flu shot. You're not going to find it in a voter registration line. You're going to find it in people, friends, close, close friends that you know. Be accountable. Accountability starts with walking with the wise. It's Proverbs 13, 20. He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a a companion of fools suffers harm. If you're done suffering harm, walk with the wise. Proverbs 27, 17, one of my favorite scriptures says, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. Be accountable. Only one person at the end of the day, you're only accountable to God. Only one person's opinion of you matters, God's. He says you're worth the world, right? Remember Luke 6, I ask you to remember right down where Amplified, it says you're a disciple selected by God. He calls you special messengers, personally chosen representatives of Jesus. God placed a part of his character inside of you, which only can be displayed by you. It makes you unique when you walk in it. You're different, not the same. Who cares if you get 100 likes? Jesus is not looking at your Facebook, Instagram, TikTok page. When you walk in integrity, it can only be displayed by you. It's what makes you unique when you walk in it. This part of your character is your integrity. It's been integrated into you. It keeps you true to God, and to yourself and helps you beat anybody else's opinion. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to share today your word and what it means, Lord, to walk in integrity, that our beliefs match our behavior. Father God, that we stand on a solid foundation when we trust you, when we trust your word instead of somebody else's opinion, Lord. When we walk in your worth instead of what somebody else says. Thank you, Lord, for taking this word and piercing people's hearts with it, for helping this to um, move so deeply within them that it helps them to make a change, not just an adjustment and not just for today, a change, Lord. You're looking all over for people who believe in you. Help those people rise up and stop seeking the approval of others and to walk in who you've called them to be. Lord, called, chosen, accepted, victorious. Help everybody to come back next week ready to close out this series as we talk about overcoming the fear of our future, how we win. I love you, Lord. Thank you for an amazing day, a great message. Bless your people, bless those who give. 
bring abundance and prosperity to everybody here. Would your words as obedience leads to prosperity. Help us to do that. Help us to be that this week so others can see you. We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's message. I hope that God gave you revelation, that you were enlightened, and that you can see more of what God has for you. Make sure you take this message one step further by following through with our action steps so you can grow deeper in your relationship with God. If you want to know more about who we are or what's happening here at Redefined Church, you can visit us online at churchredefined.com. You can follow us on social media at Redefined Church, or you can subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Vimeo, or Apple. Thanks for allowing me to be part of your life. I'll talk to you soon.